Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Queen's Gambit's podcast on Pittsburgh nonprofits. And we have a very special guest today. Heather Hackett is the PA Engagement Associate and Communications Consultant for Benefits Data Trust here in Pittsburgh, PA. And she is also the president of the Board of Directors for 10,000 Villages in Pittsburgh. And many of you might know it as the really pretty shop in Squirrel Hill, uh, where my family has probably gone to get every ornament for every Christmas since I've been alive. Um, and we're super excited to have Heather here today. So thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I think that was actually how I first met 10,000 Villages too, was ornaments for my tree. Yes, they're, it's so pretty. And, and so can you tell us a little bit about you and yourself and sort of where you're from and how you really got into nonprofit? Yeah, definitely. So I'm originally from Ohio, but I've moved, I moved here from there in 2001. So I always like to say I bleed black and gold. Don't worry. We can all be friends. <laughs> um, I came here to go to the University of Pittsburgh for undergrad, where I went to study English writing and communications. And I'm actually back there now studying nonprofit management at Gispia for the master's programs. Um, so when I first graduated, I was working for the Crazy Mocha and I spent many years opening their new stores before switching over to the East End Food Co-op where I was in the marketing and member services department. And the co-op is a for, they're a, they're a not-for-profit corporation. So it's a little bit different than a nonprofit, but they really have a lot of the same commitment to communities. So it was a great introduction to a lot of the aspects of the nonprofit sector. Um, so just kind of given that my interest was always about helping to make people's lives better and building on that, it was just a really natural transition into the nonprofit sector, which um, about five years ago, I started working at the Pittsburgh Promise. And this spring, I accepted a new role at Benefits Data Trust, or BDT, um, as the engagement associate. And as you mentioned, yeah, I've been on the board of 10,000 Villages um, for about four years now. And I... I also just like to keep my hands in a lot of buckets. So I do some part-time work with Kidsburg in the new Hazlet Theater. So I'm kind of here, there and everywhere. That's amazing. I love, I love Kidsburg. It's a great group. Yeah, they're very fun. Lynn Krinsky and all those folks do amazing work. Yeah, absolutely. And so what is Benefits Data Trust for those who don't know? Yeah. Um, so a lot of folks are familiar with public benefit programs ranging from SNAP to Medicaid, CHIP, um, WIC, you know, the alphabet soup of non-government you know, government programs. Um, but what people may not realize is that across the U.S., we are leaving a cumulative $60 billion in untapped benefits on the table each year. Um, and this largely comes about because there's barriers that make it challenging to access these programs. Sometimes the application might be a little bit complicated or folks are unaware of eligibility or that certain expenses they have would count toward their eligibility. So with all of that in mind, BDT came to exist so that we could help people have better access to these programs and be able to easily, hopefully more easily, um, be able to have access to food, healthcare, and all of those things that they need to live healthier, more financially secure lives. So we work in six states right now, and we also do policy assistance nationwide. Um, the organization started in Philadelphia in 2005, and we've been doing work in Allegheny County since 2005, but I'm actually the first Pittsburgh-based employee. 
And my role was created to deepen our engagement in Southwest PA. So really what I'll be doing here is exploring opportunities to help more of our region's residents um, be able to access these programs. So I'll be working with local organizations to raise awareness, improve that access and identify folks who are likely eligible. That's incredible. And I'm assuming that COVID has impacted a lot of your, your, your programs and things that you do there. And even though you are the first Pittsburgh employee, um, do they have an office? I'm assuming, I don't know if they have an office space for you if you're working remotely with COVID, but could you chat a bit about some of the programs that you offer and you know, how COVID has, has shifted or impacted those? Definitely. So um, we're still using a lot of the same techniques as we were pre-COVID with some definite tweaks. You're absolutely right, it made big changes. Um, so a lot of our usual model involves working with government agencies and other cross-sector stakeholders to identify folks who are likely eligible for benefits. And so one way that we had done that historically was by taking data that we had um, from folks who were enrolled in one public benefit and then we'd have data from another public benefit and we'd be able to compare the two and see where the gap is. And because these requirements are often so similar, we could say at that point, you're likely eligible and we would send outreach to invite folks to call our contact center. And at the contact center, our employees who are called benefit outreach specialists um, will use proprietary software that we actually developed and they will run through a screening process, determine what folks are likely eligible for and then apply them for the benefits directly through our program. So usually we can help people with uh, multiple benefits over the course of one phone call that usually can be less than an hour. With COVID, um, you know, we're still doing that work. We're still doing the targeted outreach, but so many people's situations changed so quickly that that data we used to use isn't going to get us as responsively able to identify the new folks who are now falling into this category of being likely eligible. So we really started to shift some of our model to being a little bit more open to the general public. And we worked with existing funders that we had who recognized this exceptional need we're all facing right now. And they made it possible for us to open our hotlines in several areas where previously they were not open to the public. It was just through those invitations through our targeted outreach and letters. Um, so we have hotlines now in New York City, Maryland. Um, we have statewide ones throughout Pennsylvania as well as North Carolina. Um, and that's certainly something that we have available here for the greater Pittsburgh region. And I can talk a little bit more about that as well. Um, and really one of the things that we have found throughout this pandemic is that the folks who are calling, many of them are applying for benefits for the first time in their lives. Many of them are really, frightened by what's happening and they're not sure if they're going to be eligible. They're not sure what, if they are eligible, what they can expect to receive or how long those benefits may last. Um, so really the calls that we're handling are just a lot more comprehensive now. We're really walking through how to apply, the documents they're going to need, um, resources for troubleshooting. And of course we offered all that support with our clients before, but just because of how new these folks are to it, it's been a lot more comprehensive. Um, and we've also been focusing our efforts a lot on making as many community referrals as we can because we always recognize that these public benefits are very important, but if we hear from a caller that their food insecurity is such that your SNAP benefits aren't going to be arriving immediately, or even when they do, they may not be 
enough for all of your household for the month um, that we can sort of identify that and be able to also direct folks to other service providers like the food banks and community groups. That's wonderful. That's amazing. And it's, I mean, you're doing so much, so much good work. And I feel like sometimes nonprofits, um, especially during COVID are sort of getting the short end of the stick. It's not talked about. We do so much work in the community. And so I'm sort of curious on a personal level, how you define a nonprofit and, you know, Pittsburgh has so many nonprofit organizations and, to an extent, it can be like hard to sort of navigate them all and, you know, have some sort of directory. But in your experience, how do you define a nonprofit and why do you think they're so important? Yeah, I think probably years ago, I would have been inclined to think it was altruistic organizations that don't generate profits. And I think a lot of folks do think about it that way. Um, but over the last few years, especially with my involvement with 10,000 Villages, I've started to become more and more aware of how many nonprofits actually do rely on profits. Um, at 10,000 Villages, our operations look and feel just like any other retail store in a lot of ways. We have to pay rent, we have to pay our staff, we have to buy inventory and plan for marketing and advertising. And if a pipe bursts in the basement, you know, it's definitely very similar to the retail environment. But what really sets us apart is what's motivating us and our need for profit and what we do with the income we earn, we're not doing that to deliver value to shareholders. Um, so our focus isn't maximizing profits for people with financial interests. Instead, it's really focused on the mission to create opportunities for artisans and to do that in a way by bringing their products and stories to the market that allows them to have a sustainable livelihood. Um, so thinking about that example and others that you know are definitely relying on profits like the um, the aviary locally is actually the only nonprofit aviary in the country, I think. And even, you know, I work at New Hazlet, as I mentioned, and they also have to profit to be sustainable. So I think defining them can't really depend too much on profits. So for me, I think it's just organizations that are stewarding and offering community resources and really doing that with a focus on delivering the maximum value to to people and not just select individuals and private interests. That's incredible. And you're exactly right. I mean, people, I think sort of assume that nonprofits don't get money or that people who work for nonprofits don't get paid or, um, or anything like that, but you're exactly right. I mean, the impact they have on the community, you know, in your, opinion when you think about nonprofits in the region and, and you know there's so much competition between nonprofits especially now to get grant money um, what might you say to a donor who wants to get involved with your organization uh, maybe even like 10,000 villages uh, what would you say to them and how could you maybe um, you know I don't want to say the word convince because I feel like nonprofits are always feel like they're trying to convince people that we're you know we're important but what would you say to that donor yeah, I mean, I think depending on the organization, there's so many different ways that a donor could be supporting an organization. So I think the main thing I just want to say is don't necessarily look at money as the only way to get involved. Um, and if you are going to be using money as the main vehicle to support a cause, make sure that you're learning as much as you can about the organizations that you're going to support. Because as you said, Pittsburgh has so many nonprofits and if you're giving for a certain reason, it seems like 
having some knowledge of who's doing that work and what's closest to the impact you're hoping to have with your investment um, would be a, a good use of some time and energy. Um, but also, like I said, just thinking about all the other ways, you know, sometimes we can do even like friend raising, you know, people on social media, it might feel like sharing a post isn't a big deal, but it does make a difference. And being able to raise awareness of causes, um, contributing time, you know, I don't have a lot of money right now because I'm a grad school student, but the work I've been doing with 10,000 Villages has been really rewarding and it's allowed me to develop new skills, um, meet new people and just get tied into a lot of work happening in the city. So just thinking about all those different ways and how they might fit together and maybe one cause you feel most comfortable making financial gifts, but others you have skills that you'd like to contribute. So just keep an open mind about what supporting a nonprofit can be and know that everybody's gonna be grateful for anything that you can contribute. Wonderful. I, before we uh, end for today, I'm sort of curious if you have anything coming up for um, any of the organizations that you're involved with, anything that we should know about for that people who are listening, maybe they want to get involved, what's sort of coming down, down the pipe? Yeah, so with 10,000 Villages, you know, we, to, to maintain good crowd control at the store, we have basically suspended all events. Um, but it is, of course, the holiday season, so we're having a lot of sales and promotions and we're limiting how many folks are in the store at a time and just doing everything that we can to keep our staff and customers safe. Um, so I would say if you would like, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram and just keep tuned for those updates. Um, and for BDT, the hotline that I mentioned is toll free and it's available for residents in Allegheny, Armstrong, Beaver, Butler, Washington and Westmoreland counties. And that's available from Monday to Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So anybody who could use help right now, or if you know somebody who could use help right now with some of these applications, um, tell them to call 844-876-5996. Or if anybody has questions and wants to you know, refer folks more directly, you can also reach out to me at hhackett at bdtrust.org, which is H-H-A-C-K-E-T-T at bdtrust.org. Wonderful. Thank you so much for everything that you do in the region and for you know, your involvement with all of these organizations. Um, it's really great and we really appreciate everything that you do. So thank you so much for your time. Definitely, and you as well. Queen's Gambit is really fabulous and all of the things that you guys do is just so interesting to learn about and see how all of it fits together. Thank you so much. And um, I hope that, I, I forget, do you know how to play chess? Have you played chess? I do. My dad taught hey. me at Thanksgiving when I was seven. That's awesome. I'm so glad. Okay, good. Because then I, sometimes I give a pitch about like, here's why you should, you know, learn chess, but you are, that's where all of yeah. the strategy comes from. Yeah. Awesome. I haven't gotten the young folks in my life past checkers yet. So if you okay. have tips on how to introduce young folks to it, which I know you do. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know checkers. I don't know how to play checkers. So, whoa, okay. So you can, teach me, you can teach me that. We'll have a game night. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely.